Welcome to MediaPost's Brand Insider. I'm your host, Steve Smith, Editorial Director of Events here at MediaPost. Each week, we interview marketing leaders from companies old and new about how they build and evolve their brands on an unpredictable media and culture terrain. In addition to this full audio interview in podcast form, we also publish a companion newsletter with highlights from the Q&A. MediaPost has been covering marketing and media news for over 20 years. You can find the Brand Insider Weekly as well as our daily coverage at MediaPost.com. Now, let's get into it. Well, I'm glad to have you here. Really appreciate it. Um, I know that a lot's been going on um, this year, especially um, this past year. So I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Where are you actually coming from? I am. We are in our offices here in uh, Costa Mesa. Oh, California. right near me. I'm uh, Corona Del Mar. Oh, we should have done this at a Starbucks or something. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Well, I mean, as Steve has mentioned and everyone's been mentioning, it's really all about innovation um, this past year. It's been, I mean, it's obviously, it's been something that's key to QSR these past few years, but especially um, last year. So talk about that. Let's first talk about it in terms of a techno technology standpoint. What have you guys been doing that's been most innovative at um, El Pollo Loco? Sure. You know, just for the audience, you know, in, in case they don't know El Pollo Loco very well, you know, I think it's important to convey the fact that uh, this brand has been undergoing major transformation over the past three years. You know, for context, three years ago, we were deriving less than 2% of our business from, from digital e-commerce. Uh, fast forward to today, that number is closer to 12%, and we believe we can get close to 15% by the end of this year. Uh, similarly, because of, you know, not surprisingly, we were driving those very low numbers because we were spending less than 3% of our media budget, which was allocated towards digital. Fast forward to today, we're spending, you know, 50% of our media budget towards digital. So we've undergone rapid transformation in the digital and technology space over the last three years. I'd, I'd say, you know, one of the biggest areas where we've reinvented ourselves, certainly in 2020, is off-premise, and uh, primarily in three areas: um, delivery, number one; drive-through, number two and curbside pickup number three. You know, if I look at just delivery and drive-through alone, since 2019, our delivery business has grown 250% and our drive-through business has grown 43%. And, you know, on the delivery front, you know, we have, like many, relationships with all the major third-party delivery aggregators. But I think the thing that really made a difference for us with delivery, certainly in 2020, at the onset of the pandemic was we asked ourselves a fundamental question on, you know, how can we be super relevant with delivery given how much the world has changed? And what we did um, really, I can recall the date, it was April 3rd. We made a conscious decision in our partnership with, with Postmates to say, we're not gonna offer free delivery for a week or two weeks or three weeks because people are sequestered at home because the service has become even more valuable to them at this moment in time, we're going to offer free delivery for however long is necessary. So we ultimately wound up offering it throughout the balance of 2020 uh, in an uninterrupted fashion. So that gives you a sense of you know, how we try to get very relevant with delivery during a critical year. Um, in regards to the drive-through, where we've grown that business exponentially, you know, we think actually 2021 is going to be a real game changer for us because we're leveraging technology there in a slightly different way than 
the way we've done it before. Uh, we are in the process, as of this moment, testing order-taking tablets where we will be stationing people out in the drive-through queue, and they can take customers' orders out there um, much earlier than before a customer would get drive up to a traditional menu board. And we're also able to take payment using these tablets in the drive-through queue with our stated goal of trying to cut our drive-through times in half through this technology platform. And so far, we're starting to see some, some very, very promising results. And should those promising results continue to materialize, we're looking forward to rolling out this technology platform uh, by this fall and then to our franchisees by the end of the calendar year. Uh, in regards to the third uh, technology enhancement that we made in 2020, uh, we not only did curbside pickup, uh, which sounds pretty mundane, but in our case, we did GPS-enabled curbside pickup, which would have only been possible, uh, you know, which was only possible through the mobile app, the robust mobile app that we already had in place. And with GPS-enabled curbside, if the customer opts into that functionality, they never have to call the restaurant once they pull into a dedicated parking spot or text the restaurant to let them know they've arrived. The GPS functionality actually alerts the restaurant uh, that the customer has arrived. And we also have a stated goal of getting that order to the customer's car side window in 90 seconds or less. So those were really the three big initiatives in 2020 that we really accelerated um, to, to get us to where we are today. I definitely love the GPS. I think that's very cool. But um, but also talk about, I mean, you mentioned to me that I think your numbers had quadrupled in sales and that you're, you just talk about that. Like yeah. this kind of success obviously is going to, you know, it's hard to keep up. How are you going to keep continue doing that? Well, yeah, our digital sales um, tripled in 2020 uh, in that calendar year alone. Naturally, if there was a silver lining <laughs> and there weren't that many in the past year, but um, if there was a silver lining, it simply accelerated uh, the strategies that we already had in place before this ever started. Um, you know, we're constantly looking again uh, for new ways to uh, continue to stay on the bleeding edge of what we think will be important uh, for customers. Um, we're gonna go back to offering free delivery and I can't talk too much about it at this point in a very dynamic way in a few weeks. Um, and, uh, you know, we're actually exploring things like drone technology, believe it or not. You know, we just had our, our VP of digital out there doing a field test uh, with a supplier not too long ago. So we're just trying to stay on the bleeding edge of, of where the next innovation will take place. So you got that tech bug, which is, you know, obviously a big part of what you've been doing digitally. And, and you know, to continue even moving on with that, that must have really um, affected your media mix in terms of you know, you're bringing in all of this new business and also you're reaching out to people digitally. How has that changed things? Well, I, I think the, the the big game changer for us um, is how we go to market. So naturally, as I said before, 50% of our media dollars are now allocated towards digital and a disproportion of that amount is going to social media, where social has really just enabled us to become really just great listeners um, in terms of what our customers are telling us. And naturally we were always doing that, but the, the power of social at the risk of being pedantic here is that um, you're able to do it really real time. And I think a perfect example of that uh, is, uh, is a story I'll share with you around um, our new product development. Um, so in 2020, we launched 
a product called our chickenless pollo product. Uh, we were the first brand to launch system-wide an alternative chicken protein. And we, when we launched that in February of 2020, uh, it was received very, very favorably. But what we heard from customers on social media, and we're on all the major platforms, you know, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, um, you know, Instagram, et cetera. But what, they, what started to bubble up via social media was, hey, we're really excited that you launched a vegetarian product, but this is how astute our customers are. They told us the sauce though, that you cook it in actually contains an egg enzyme in it. And so therefore it's not truly vegan. And had we not had our ears attuned uh, to what they were saying and really kind of enhanced our social media listening capabilities, we wouldn't have caught on to that. And so what we literally did was said, hey, that can't stand. They're telling us something, we've got to respond. And literally in a matter of three months, we took the, worked with the supplier, took the egg enzyme out of the sauce, got the product certified as vegan with the American Vegetarian Association and re-rolled and re it out. And so I just think that's the power of digital is just these real-time interactions, these two-way bilateral conversations you have with your customers where you can go to market with alacrity and speed in a way that you just simply couldn't go to market before. And and you talked about how you're you're on all of the channels. I think TikTok though is one of your more recent ones that you've sort of discovered, but are really excited about. Talk yeah. about the experience there. Yeah, I'm super excited about TikTok. I mean, <laughs> just recently we celebrated a milestone. It was just this week where we managed managed to acquire on TikTok um, the same number of followers we have on Instagram, and it took us at least five years to get those number of followers on Instagram. So. TikTok is proving to be this really dynamic game changer for us. And I just think um, we've been able to do some really you know, interesting things working with influencers and developing content that's really relevant for that platform. I mean, right now uh, we are promoting our Tostada product. Uh, we're in the middle of that promotion and we've partnered with a bunch of influencers. Um, you know. Hispanic influencers um, that really have, um, you know, deep ties to that community, as well as just more general market influencers uh, that have really enabled us to showcase this dynamic Tostada product, capitalizing on an insight around personalization and how everyone loves to eat that product differently, which we've encapsulated in the tagline, how do you Tostada? But the novel way that we were able to make that come alive to TikTok got us millions of impressions overnight. And, and, and it's just been really, really encouraging to see. And we've only been on that platform for six months. So um, we're just really excited about what lies ahead there. Well, it's also, I mean, I think one of the things, uh, talking with a lot of people who have been starting with TikTok and the reason they find success is finding that personality that fits not only your brand, but also you need to fit the channel itself. You can't just suddenly, it's not, you know, one size fits all and take Facebook that's and right. put it there. And um, obviously that's something that you guys were doing. And I know you work with your community a lot as well, which I'm sure that can help and create these influencers. So talk about how you connect with the community and how that then it, and helps to enhance your brand. Sure. Well, I mean, we, we really believe that businesses have a responsibility to, you know, transcend making just a pure profit, that they have a, an inherent responsibility in giving back and serving the communities in which they do business. 
And, um, you know, that really, that, that philosophy really shows up in how we go to market in so many different ways. Um, one example I will give you um, that is an ongoing commitment that we have to the city of Los Angeles is again, powered by an insight where we identified that Los Angeles is the mural, the mural capital of the world. You know, I, I wouldn't have known that two years ago. Um, but uh, yeah, there, you know, if you drive around the city of Los Angeles, you see these iconic murals everywhere you go. And it's just a hallmark of, of, of being an Angelino uh, and living in the city. But what we also found out that was 60% of these murals were disappearing due to whitewashing and gentrification and, you know, um, and, and just new development going up. And, and, you know, we felt like, wow, that's, that's such a part of the fabric of the city. We, we want to do something where these murals aren't lost forever. And um, again, leveraging. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I want, I think this is, I know you have a video and I think. Yeah. Why, why don't why don't we show the video? Because I, I think the video is a perfect example of how we leverage technology once again, uh, partnering with Snapchat uh, using uh, an AR filter that they had to take these murals that were disappearing at a rapid rate and have them come back to life. First vi virtually and now physically. So we'll talk. Why don't you show the video? Let's, let's show the video and then we'll go more. Yeah. Graffiti art is interwoven with the masses, with the common everyday people that you see on all of the rapid transit trains and the buses and on the streets and driving on the freeways. The heartbeat of the people in its purest form is one of the most important forms of expression in this day and age. Yes, and I paint, uh, and, uh, but many people uh, paint over my mural. The mural in LA is a message from the artist for, for all around the world. When I talk about my father's art, it flat out makes me want to cry. It breaks me down. The guy rode brushes here like a magic carpet. You gotta realize that the man walked here with nothing but a backpack full of brushes from El Salvador. It took him six years. He literally painted his way from El Salvador to LA on foot. Los murales en Los Ángeles es un mensaje de los artistas para la comunidad. Hay muchas personas que tienen pensamientos pero no saben cómo mandárselo al público, a las demás personas. Entonces las pinturas hablan por nosotros y para toda la comunidad. My dad was my hero and it was all because he painted murals and there was no doubt in my mind that when I grew up, I was going to make a splash in this city with murals. Preserving art projects in LA that have a cultural context within the communities that they're in is what's important. The artists in LA bring our cultural and visual identity to life. 60% of these murals have disappeared over time. We want to do our part in bringing them back to life in a really unique way.
Hoya Loco is going beyond the digital preservation of these murals by offering up our restaurant storefronts as being the new canvases for these murals. We want to not just bring them back digitally, we want to bring them back to life permanently. Street art is a raw, direct way to get a message to the people at pedestrian level. Everybody sees it. Latino murals here in LA are an anchor to Latino culture in America. It's a way for us to represent ourselves. If we're not gonna see ourselves on the screens, we'll see each other on the walls, right? It's the art of our people. It's the voice of our children and our elders. This is my voice. They've taken it as the art of the people. El arte de la gente. I mean, not only is that a great way to give back, but also to really integrate yourself with the community and then also enhance its social media. So it really captures a lot. Yeah, and, and, and since you know we launched that initiative, we've made a commitment that once a quarter, we're taking one of our restaurants uh, and using it as this new canvas for these murals and painting a beautiful mural, um, commissioning the work of a local artist, uh, and now they're starting to show up all over the city of LA in our restaurants. We did one just recently to commemorate Mother's Day, the strength, the resilience, and courage of mothers everywhere. That one was entitled Strong Like a Madre, and we just completed that one in May. In February, uh, to commemorate Black History Month, we commissioned uh, a really amazing muralist, his name's Ink One, to paint one in the Crenshaw neighborhood to commemorate Black History Month. And we also, in that, the restaurant that had that mural adorned on the side of its its building, we took we took five percent of that company's sales for the month of February and donated it to a charity charity called the Brotherhood Crusade that was literally located across the street from that restaurant to give back to um, you know troubled youth in in that community uh, looking for opportunities to develop life skills, find new jobs, interview skills, etc. So it really does come. Uh, full circle at the end of the day. And uh, we're looking very much forward to creating more of these murals uh, in the future. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. And um, I do want to remind everyone, before I do have one more question, but I want to remind everyone that if you have a question for Bernard, um, raise your hand and um, we'll call on you to ask the question or just write it in the chat, but we'd love to hear it. Um, but Bernard, just in terms of all of this, and that shows how authentic you are and really what you've done digitally um, since you know when you first started with El Polo Loco, but talk about what the key takeaways really, especially from this past year. So as you move forward, what is most important to you to sort of take with you? Yeah, I I think for all brands to grow, you know, in this day and age, I think they have to have like one foot firmly planted in their past, in their history, and they need to celebrate and elevate what got them to this point while simultaneously also reinventing themselves for the future and figuring out ways to make the brand relevant to new audiences that have yet even to experience the brand. And I think that's the thing that we've been trying to do at El Pollo Loco. It's always this precarious balancing act of honoring our past, honoring our ties to the Latin community, and because they've gotten us here, right? I mean, whatever success we've had, it's because 
they've entrusted uh, they've entrusted us with it, with their with their love. Um, but at the same time, we have a a compelling business need to grow the franchise to 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 invite new customers into the brand. And what we have found uh, to be the best way to do that is what I just described with you this afternoon. Do it through the digitization of your business, through this, through really leveraging social media, which tends to skew younger, which is, uh, you know, a, a mandate within the company that we want to we want to grow with younger customers. Um, product innovation. And I talked to you about chickenless pollo, and then I also think by really figuring out novel ways to uh, serve the communities in which you do business. So um, it's really having a foot in both camps at all times, uh, which is not always an easy thing, but which I believe is essential if you're gonna successfully grow your brand. Okay. All right, Steve, so do we have questions? Bernard, thank, yes. Um, and Bernard, by the, by the way, you have a cheering section in the chat window. Some old colleagues from Starbucks, by the way, are giving you props. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. so, but one, one, as an old hand- partner, always a partner. Uh, as an old hand in media, so let me ask you the bottom line question. You're talking about all these wonderful things you're doing in TikTok yeah. and social media. How has your fundamental media spend changed? How, where are, are you taking, are you pulling yeah. away from, from traditional TV and traditional yeah. out-of-home venues and putting that into digital? What does the mix look like now as opposed to a year or two years ago? Yeah, I, I mean, as I, as I referenced earlier, we were spending two years ago, three years ago, we were spending 98% of our media dollars towards traditional media, literally print and TV that made up 98% of the spend, which is kind of crazy because I felt like it was like 1985 when I first joined, you know, because the world had, had moved so rapidly uh, forward and, and we were running the risk of getting left behind. Um, you know, fast forward today, uh, and we are now literally at 50% of our spend that we allocate towards digital. Um, and uh, most of that is taking place in social. Um, the other place that we're making a huge investment in, and we consider to be the, the, the centerpiece of our go-to-market ecosystem is our loyalty program. And that's another place where we are looking to siphon away dollars from traditional mass vehicles, like freestanding inserts, if you will, and more judiciously and selectively channel any kind of outreach or discounting efforts through our loyalty program. And our loyalty program has grown exponentially. Just in the, in the year, one, you know, in one year, we've managed to grow um, the number of members by 40%. So we're now sitting on 2.5 million members in our program. We derive about 10% of our sales from that program. Again, looking to get to that number to 15% in the next 18 months to 24 months. Um, but I think what it's also done for us is We've gotten to know so much about our customers because we mine that database, we segmented that database, we've got 23 distinct customer segments, and we really take a look at what their past purchase behavior uh, and history is with us so that we can serve them up hyper-relevant offers that meet their needs. And the thing that we're doing now that we're really excited about, leveraging technology even further, is incorporating artificial intelligence into all of that. And we're just at the ground level of that, but we're starting to make some nice headway in 2021 to get to better predictive analytics to even get more hyper-targeted when we serve up these offers to these 23 segments. So as a result of all that, we've seen a lot greater incrementality in our business, certainly incremental in terms of average member spend. 
So people enrolled in our loyalty program wind up spending, you know, 6% more than people not enrolled simply due to the fact that we're better able to cater to their needs. Uh, you couldn't, I couldn't have scripted a better handoff to our next segment, which is going to be a roundtable on, on loyalty. So if you could stick around, we'd love to have you there too. Lisa Bernard, thank you so much. This was great. Thanks for hitting play on Media Post's Brand Insider podcast. We're here each week interviewing marketing executives from large and small, legacy and emerging brands. They share their experiences navigating the challenges of commercial clutter, media distraction, and consumer disinterest. You can also subscribe to the Brand Insider newsletter for edited text editions of these Q&As. For this and all of the marketing and media news reporting MediaPost has provided the industry for two decades, head over to MediaPost.com. And if you have any thoughts, comments, or suggestions for Brand Insider, you can always reach me, Steve Smith, at Steve at MediaPost.com. Until next week, let's market carefully out there.